if you had asked us what we had wanted from our divorce, I think after even the, you know, the, the, the amends at the coffee shop, we, you know, it would have just been to be able to be in the same room together. Right. And not have our son and everybody else go, Oh God, here comes the health funds. Like, or right, brother, you right. know, this is going to be bad. Like this is going to be tension. But you know, we overshot that mark by, by a million miles. It could never have, you know, written a story like this uh, or even imagine for that matter, a, a story like this. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm honored to be joined by Ben Helfond and Nikki DeBartolo, who are the co-authors of Our Happy Divorce. And when I first heard the title of their book, I thought, this is too good to be true. There's no such thing as a happy divorce. And as I got to go deeper into this interview with them, uh, I was really appreciative of their open and honest communication about how their divorce didn't start out that way. But what they did uncover along the way is a new team mindset when it came to their approach to their divorce. I hope you guys find a whole lot of helpful nuggets from this conversation. If you or someone you know that is going through a divorce or has been through a divorce, and I get the opportunity to open up a little bit about my post-divorce life and how dating has come into that experience as well. This conversation brought up a lot of reminders for me of how my daughter's mom and I would distance ourselves and then gravitate back to each other and distance ourselves and gravitate back to each other over the course of the last 15 or 16 years while raising our daughter after a not so happy divorce. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Ben and Nikki. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm honored to be joined by my new friends, Ben and Nikki. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the book. Um, Our Happy Divorce arrived in my mailbox uh, late last week and I got a chance to read your handwritten note and that was that was really uh, authentic and I appreciated the sentiment. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. If you have a uh, any problems sleeping whatsoever, just pick that up and read a couple of pages and <laughs> night, night. That's just no, your that's, section. Yeah, that's just my section. part. It's just your part. That's, that's funny because I immediately flipped it open and I read the the jacket, you know, the the brief description of what the book was about. And then I started to leaf through the chapters and, and you're absolutely right, Ben, like you have sections and Nikki has sections and you both get to relate and share your stories. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. And that was, you know, I wish I could, uh, or, or either of us could claim credit for that idea, but there was a show, I believe on Showtime called the affair. And, and, and it was a, uh, show about an affair, obviously in a marriage going bad. But but what happened was the first half, it was an hour show. The first half an hour was from one person's perspective in that same situation. And the second one, second half was the other person's. So, it, you know, as everybody knows, there's three sides of every story. There's his side, her side, and the truth. So we just That's decided right. to, you know, to take one area of uh, our divorce and alternate chapters and, and talk about uh, our perspective on that uh, situation. Mine was right. Yeah, you're abs. Oh, sorry, Nikki, I interrupted you. I just, what did you say, Nikki? I said my perspective was correct. Always. Yeah. <laughs> you're so right, Ben, that like there's my story, there's her story, and then there's the truth. And uh, it's something that I've kept in mind now that after 15 years of being divorced, I, I finally come to understand that um, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. That's so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really smart. And, and that's the, you know, I think one of the foundations of, you know, if you will, our happy divorce or, or our post life or our post marriage life is, you know, we, we in the beginning didn't turn out to be or wasn't heading down that 
happy divorce path, let's just say. It didn't start, yeah, it mm, definitely didn't start that it, way. And then I think both of us came to a point of, uh, to get to the happy part of you have a choice in a marriage and in the process of, of getting divorced is, you know, and afterwards for the, for that matter is, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Yeah, you know, right. and I think a lot of the time, Nikki and I decided to take the path of happiness. But and a that, lot of people take the other path. Right. And that's, I, I think that other path creates conflict because you're not going to back down, right? You're not, you're going to be right no matter what the cost, no matter how many thousands of dollars of the legal fees it's going to cost, no matter how many, uh, uh, you know, pain it's going to cause your kids, no matter how much pain it's going to cause you, you're going to be right. Mm-hmm. I must mm-hmm. say that Ben started out as the going to be right path. Yes. I didn't so much because I, I mean, my parents are still married after 52 years. So that was definitely not the path that I didn't want the destruction path. Mm-hmm. So like from day one, for me, it was, how do we fix this? Like, how do we make this mm-hmm. better? How do we, and I mean, even though I didn't actually like him, at that point, I just didn't want to hate him any more than I felt like I did at those minutes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to destroy our child. Ben yeah. just oh, wanted that's... to destroy me. Yeah, that that resonates with me so much because I feel, reflecting back on my divorce experience, uh, I took the victim role a lot. I'm like, oh, she did this, she did that. And I, I chose to not acknowledge my role and responsibility in the divorce yep i think you two are twins yeah i mean that's that that's where and, and I look twins. I, I think a lot of it has to do uh I, i'll just speak for myself when we get hurt and, and and i think with divorce or dating or relationships especially divorce because it sort of combined my two big fu buttons in life are romance and finance mm-hmm. right and, and when those two get pushed is when i go completely haywire right mm-hmm. and and that's where i was in the beginning of the divorce or when we decided to get divorced is those buttons were being pushed so my initial response is not to deal with those feelings but is to blame somebody else and to make somebody else the victim so i didn't have to look at my own stuff mm-hmm. and, and and so uh you know that's just part of and i think nikki went through the same thing but but we don't talk and we talked about before the show uh, before we push press record is we don't talk a lot about what happened or whose fault it was because at the end of the day it was we came to the uh, the point that it was neither one of our faults this was it takes two to make a relationship and it takes two to ruin a relationship and at the time when Nikki and I were married we were both unhappy people mm-hmm. period definitely and unhappy mm-hmm. people they had they had no idea before they got married that we were unhappy right. people. Right. right. And then it sort of, be, you know, became, when you get and married. Two unhappy people, really. Well, unhappy people make unhappy relationships. I mean, there's no, right. it, it, I think it's inevitable, right? right? That you can't have a happy relationship if you have two people who are miserable in their lives. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I relate so much to what you just said there, Ben, that uh, the masculine's journey is to face his shame, whether that be around romance, whether that be around leadership, or whether that be around purpose and finances. And when you said that, I'm like, yes, I'm propelled back in my past of like, what was I facing at the time of my, of my marriage, getting into a marriage, coming out of a marriage. And my daughter came to us, both her mom and I at a point 15 or 16 years old. And she says, it feels like you both have moved on from your divorce, but I haven't. Oh, Oh. and that was heartbreaking for me to hear. And uh, the three of us collectively decided that that seeking out the right counselor was going to be the best fit for um, 
helping support our daughter through that process. And, and that, well, I mean, I just got, uh, well, that's what happened. To you. Well, that's what yeah. happened to me. And, and, and I think that, uh, I don't want to, I'm grateful that I had to go through that at the end of the day. Right. But, but, but I was a product of a very high conflict divorce mm-hmm. and it, it, it is a terrible place to, to, to grow up in a terrible environment. You know, you, you almost have to become the adult, uh, and you have to, you know, consciously think after like a sporting event or a school event, graduation, whatever it is, any, any sort of right life, rite of passage, as you're walking over to mom and dad who aren't sitting together, you got to consciously decide who are you going to go over and sit next to? Who are you going to, or who are you going to go say hi to or who, and you have to always walk on eggshells or around everything. And, and so, so I grew up in that situation, but the ironic thing about it, and this is how powerful the emotions of divorce are, at least for, for me as a man, uh, was I was still willing, and it wasn't premeditated because I was blinded, but I was still willing to go down that path with our son, even having the life experience that I had as a kid. Mm-hmm. And luckily I had, you know, somewhat of a moment of clarity uh, on a plane late uh, red eye one night uh, flying over the United States. But that is, you know, the kids at the end of the day is where it's at. And, and even in our situation, uh, you know, our son, two years ago, we've been divorced for 15 years, two years ago, uh, three years ago, we were on a fishing trip. And he said, Dad, you know, this divorce has been hard on me. Mm-hmm. Right? My first reaction was you little SOB, you have no idea. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the book was out. I mean, the whole deal, we live seven houses apart, we go do, on vacations together. I mean, it just, but I was able to stop and, you know, not re- sort of react off my first uh, uh, instinct. But I thought about it and just the logistics of a divorce of going to, you know, another house every week or every other weekend and getting your book bag or, 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 you know, whatever the sort of logistics are, but also kids would never choose for their parents to be divorced. No. And mm-hmm. so, you know, even with all how, how great it is for Nikki and I, you know, and how hard we've done worked and how, you know, how, how far we've come as people and showing them what good relationships are. We both remarried it's still hard on them. Now, sprinkle all that other nonsense on it. And then you get your daughter or you get me as a kid who said, you guys have recovered, but I, I haven't. And I still haven't recovered from my parents' divorce. And I'm 48 years old. No, it's yeah. true. And I mean, like we last night, we were sitting in the house and we were watching, I don't know, we were watching something on TV and it was about, there was a teenage daughter and her parents were going through a divorce. And it was like the look on her face, but Asher's sitting there watching it with us. And like, even then, like my heart, like sunk in my stomach, because I'm like, right now, what's going through this poor kid's head is everything that he went through. And it, it, it just like, I almost like tears started coming down my face. And I was like, it still hurts. It hurts mm-hmm. me yeah. for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can, I can imagine how hard that would be watching that with, uh, with your son who experienced it right along with you. And I feel as if like, there's an expectation and a construct out there of like, the expectation unspoken or unwritten is like, well, you stay together for the kids, but it doesn't sound like that was going to be the case for the two of you. So what, where did you get the idea of like consciously uncoupling, but it sounds like Nikki started that. And then Ben came along a little bit later. Walk me through. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Nikki Mm -hmm. said it and talk about, you know, the, the fixer that, that, you know, and we pretended in the beginning. I think we did like Ben would, you know, we pretended he wasn't, he didn't move out. Like, so he Mm. would leave at night when Asher was asleep, he'd come home in the morning 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Nikki, uh, you know, she she said it, so I'm not uh, putting judgment on her or taking her inventory here, but she's a fixer. I mean, she, totally. she you know, wanted, even at the darkest of dark of our marriage, uh, wanted to stay together and was trying to do everything that she could or say everything that she could for us to stay together. Um, and, and, and so um, I, I think that part of the, the conscious uncoupling or whatever they call, you know, wanted to call it uh, today was not even in, we, we almost completely, you know, uh, we almost blew this thing up. We almost blew this thing up. Or, I, you know, mm-hmm. I almost blew this thing up, quite frankly. I mean, not mm-hmm. the marriage. The marriage. I mean, we definitely, and like we started, when we split up, we started by like dropping Asher off on like the porch. Like, don't look at each other. Don't talk okay. to each other. Like, Relatable. It, sta- it definitely yeah. started. Yeah. And, and, and so I, uh, you know, had this uh, theory uh, that it was Nikki's fault. Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, if only, you know, the if onlys or, or shooting all over myself, she should have done this, she should have done that, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and so I went with that theory to a lawyer. And that was my first call. First mistake. Uh, if you're listening, and you're going through a divorce, uh, and you're with that emotion of the divorce, and your romance and finance buttons are being pushed, just the only advice I can give you is don't call a lawyer. Don't call a friend who's been through a divorce. Don't call a family members gone through a divorce. Call a therapist or okay. call or, or call a, a divorce coach. But I called a lawyer, but, but not mm-hmm. just any lawyer. I did my research, right, of who the best lawyer in town was. And, and so I had this theory that Nikki's fault, and I was going to have this lawyer prove or, 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 or you know, uh, counsel me on how to, you know, get her to, to uh, or show that it was her fault to the judge, to whoever, our son. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he wrote up. He was glad to do it. You know, he took a very nice retainer and he was glad to, to, to take on the task. I say he just changed the names. It's the same thing he gives everybody and just changed the names. In it. So a week later, literally, I got a game plan. A, yeah, a, he had a template. A template. It, but it was a game. It was a he dis- wanted to make it look like it wasn't a template, so he made you right. wait a week. It was a full-on right. uh, attack plan, game plan, business strategy, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, of how we were going to do that. And it was like 20 pages. Yeah, uh, and and I didn't pick it up, and I didn't read it for some reason. I kept it around uh, for for about two weeks, and I was on like I said, a plane back, a red eye back from L.A. to Tampa, and I took it out, and, and it was you know as cheesy as it sounds or whatever. You know, everybody's asleep on the plane. There's no lights on. I turn on my little reading light, and and I start. Do you have a headlamp? Yeah, the, no, not the headlamp, the the overhead light. The like, overhead you know, light. And the guy next to me is like, oh, this guy. Uh, yeah. But but. I started reading it and literally, Dave, I got like two pages into it. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life in years, I was honest with myself, mm. you know, and, and I got real. I thought to myself, oh, I got that, you know, sinking feeling of being that kid going through the high conflict divorce that I was going through. And, and so there goes, there goes some empathy, right? And, but then I, you know, came to the understanding that there's no way and there are some caveats that just are way outside our pay grade, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's no way in, in, in the majority of a relationship that it can't be one person's fault, right? right. We right. focus so much. I think I was focusing so much on the behaviors or the, you know, whatever the external stuff is and not necessarily the internal stuff. Uh, and, and, and so on that plan, I was like, there's no way it takes two to make a relationship. It takes two to ruin a relationship. And I made a decision I didn't want to go down that path because I knew where that path led. And that's when I got that, you know, realization of, of my life experience. But I said, there has to be a different way. I didn't know what it was, 
you know, so, so, you know, you know, whenever that, uh, the, the book came out years ago, but whenever Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, talked about conscious uncoupling, that right there was my conscious uncoupling. It was okay. a conscious for the first, it was a conscious decision to not go down this war and peace path, this destruction, this whole, you know, rigor or more. Uh, Cause I knew where it ended that, I mean, and, and, and that's the beauty of it, of life experiences. I knew where that path ended. And so right. the next call, uh, you know, the first call on Monday was to the lawyer uh, saying, thank you, but no, thank you. And if you could send me back the retainer, uh, balance my retainer and, and conveniently, I got like $323 back. Right. And then the <laughs> second call was to Nikki. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, I'm not changing my mind, right? We're, you know, we're still, but I just need some time to deal with myself. Right. And I need, you know, I need some time to not talk about the divorce or, or the business side of the divorce. Now, obviously we had a son and we had to deal with the, the logistics of, of, of splitting time, but I just said, I need some time for me to work on myself and, and, and to figure out what's wrong with Ben. And, and she said, you know, take as much time as you want. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds like... It sounds like you held up a mirror to yourself for the first time on that flight back to Tampa. And Nikki, where where were you at? Did you ever hold up a mirror or um, look at that fixer for mindset? Sure. For sure. I mean, I'm a lot like my father in that way that I'm just kind of like, anytime I, anytime there's some sort of conflict, I, that's my first thing to do is like, let's figure out, let's figure out a way to fix this. You know, a couple of weeks into that, I kind of said, it's a bad idea. It's a really bad idea to try to fix it. So, I mean, I talked to my family. I talked, we, we had a family friend that was a lawyer and he kind of gave, he gave me really good advice. And he said, just hold tight. Like, mm-hmm. don't do anything. We're not going to go hire you a lawyer. We're not going to go, you know, when it comes time to needing a lawyer, we'll get you one, but like, let him, let him like, just give him time. And as hard as that was for me, because I'm not very patient, <laughs> I, I did. I mean, I sort of knew what he was going through and what was going through his head without ever speaking to him about it. Go ahead. He's going to say, cause there was a black Oldsmobile following me around Tampa. <laughs> okay. No, that wasn't the case, but I think in my head, I kind of knew what was going on. And, and, and then at the same time, you know, during that process is you went to therapy right. too. And that's mm. where I went. And that mm-hmm. was like, that was my go-to and my, you know, the way I tried to start dealing with things because I didn't want outside people telling me, oh, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. This is what you need right. to do. He sucks. This is it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't have all right. that and try to be a mom. Right. You know, I was scared to death as it was to be a single mom with this mm-hmm. young little boy who like I was, you know, I didn't grow up around children all over the place. So here I was like, okay, I'm going to be this like single mom. That's like clueless on how to raise a child. I mean, I figured it out. You did Not okay. a single mom, but you I did all right. But you know, the thing is, I think for me, anyways, you said holding up the mirror on the plane. You know, I, I knew I needed a mirror on the plane. I don't know if I held up the mirror quite yet, or or at least you know, because I I think if I if I had that mirror, would have still been the image uh, of the man that I thought that I was, not the man that I was, right? So I, you know, I went through a journey with a therapist, and and I'm also. Uh, have been in a 12 step program for many years, even at that time. So I can't even blame it on, you know, drugs and alcohol. I'd been sober for like what, 12 years at the time, but um, I worked with a man, you know, a, a sponsor and my therapist. And, um, you know, just at that point it was a process, but I knew, uh, you know, that, that 
if I had held up the, the mirror at that point, I still was confused on, you know, the reality of who I was and who I thought I was, but it wasn't long into the process where that mirror became very clear because I, you know, now I was honest. Right. And I was like, okay, there's something, there's a disturbance in the force, right? There, there's no way that this could be all Nikki's fault. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, I, I'd, I'd work with my therapist, I'd work with my sponsor and whenever I'd say, yeah, but you know, she did it was like, Whoa, Whoa, this isn't about Nikki. You know, this isn't about Chewbacca. Like, it's not about anybody else. That's the good thing about a therapist is they make you look at yourself instead of going, instead of just going, uh-huh, yes, it's all his fault. Yes, it's all right. his fault. Yeah, buts. Like, whenever but it's like, okay, but what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what uh-huh. you need to take accountability for something for your part of this because it just doesn't combust. Right. And, and the process for me, you know, I, I guess – what are the motives, right? Or what, what are, what are the intentions? And, and, you know, Nikki probably was going through her path uh, to clean up her side of the street. And I was going uh, to clean up my side of the street, not to try to figure out or, or you know, some outcome of, of writing a, a book, you know, 14 years later, or even having a relationship with her. Like I didn't, I just knew that I couldn't go on uh, in my life uh, w- being the person that eventually I found out that I was right. And that was just right. a miserable, it was funny. Cause one day I went to my uh, uh, therapist office and I said, I went in there and I, I, I was determined to figure out what it was. And I said, Barbara, I think I'm a narcissist. And she laughed. And I said, Barbara, what, you know, I think we had a breakthrough here. What, you know, what, what, what's the deal? And she said, well, first of all, a narcissist would never come into my office and, and, it, you know, say that he was, or, or she was a narcissist. Uh, she goes, you know, you're just a hurt and wounded and angry man. And it looks and it smells and it feels exactly and probably tastes like narcissism. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. it's narcissistic traits, but really you're just an asshole. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, the, but, but it, it, it's that sort of behavior uh, that, you know, didn't contribute very well to the marriage or any other mm-hmm. marriage or any other relationship mm-hmm. that I was going to be in. Um, but, but it was, it was an understanding that, you know, the anger, the hurt, the whatever, that that is what I had to deal with. And, and then, you know, how I reacted uh, to those feelings that probably looked and smelled and felt, like I said, like narcissism, but it wasn't, you know? Yeah, I can relate a lot to that. I, I've gone to a, not my own personal therapist, but a therapist who's been on like podcast a couple of times, because that's why we seek out experts in that area is like, so our audience has people to go to for resources when they need it, you know? And I go to him and I'm like, okay, I need your honest opinion. Am I a narcissist? And he said, because I had gotten that reflection from somebody in the audience or somebody that I was seeing, or I don't remember right. where the where the reflection came from, but I needed clarification. So I asked him an honest question on the phone. And he's like, Dave, you have empathy. Mm-hmm. You can't, yeah. you can't okay. be on the on the farther end because it's on a scale of one to five. You can't be closer to the five on the narcissistic scale with when you have empathy. And I was like, okay, I, I don't necessarily know the definition of that word instinctively, intuitively. It was something I had to go learn over the next six to eight months of like, mm. okay, what does empathy mean to me? Uh, how do I how do I cultivate better relationships by using and learning more about that? So Nikki, what comes up for you when when um, Ben is talking about narcissistic traits and and where were you at? Ben's gonna go. She's a narcissist too. Yeah, I I, think, <sighs> I 
I think a slight projection, but right. I... <laughs> right before the plane, that was definitely the answer, right? No, I mean, for me, it was just, I wanted to just, I, I knew I needed to work on myself. I knew that I was like, I was blaming all my unhappiness on him. Mm-hmm. Like that he brought every single solitude, that he was the only reason that made me unhappy. And I think I just didn't know what, and I, and I still may not know now what, mm. what actually made me unhappy. But for me, it was just, you know, I needed, I needed just to take some inventory of myself and figure out how we can move forward. I mean, and we didn't set out to have the relationship we have today. Like we just thought, okay, you know, when we started, you know, am I allowed to have the, I'll go into the fact that Ben called me one day and asked me to go have coffee. Okay. And the first thing that went through my head was, oh crap. Like, I, I, do I really want to sit across from him at a table? Not really. Like, cause we just weren't to that point yet. Yeah. It was sort of a jerk move. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do it intentionally. I but, mean, I said yes, but. Yeah, but I had done this work. Right. And I, you know, unfortunately, or I should say, fortunately, it didn't take that long to realize that I wouldn't want to be married to me either. Right. right? I wouldn't have wanted to be married to me. And that's mm-hmm. the mirror. And that's when I saw the mirror. Right. And that's when I held it. When I could honestly say that, you know what? You were a miserable person. I wouldn't want to be married to you either. So part of that process afterwards, when you sort of have that realization and that, you know, point of authenticity and honesty was to go make it right, right. was to go clean it up. So we basically sat across from each other. But Nikki didn't know. I mean, she I didn't did, know what was going to what, what So was she happen. just knew this He just texted me and asked me what kind of coffee I wanted. So I was like, okay, well, at uh-huh. least he's willing to buy me some coffee. So are um, you in are you in a public place? Is it at least a oh, yeah. safe yes. place where we're not so going to raise our voices? <laughs> we're in a very public place. I sit down across from him and he gives me my coffee. And he said, and he basically apologizes. Not basically. He did. He said, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, in return, apologized His story, to him. her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I also apologized back to him. And, you know, he said, do you have any problem with joint custody? And I said, absolutely not. And he basically said to me, from here, we can figure it all out. So that was the first time that we kind of just said, like a weight was lifted mm-hmm. off our shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, and still from then, we had no idea where our relationship was going to go. I mean, not saying not, we were not getting back together, but we didn't know where we were going. Mm-hmm. And it, it's amazing after that moment, uh, you know, here again, not going in there with I any. Mean, it wasn't like all roses and butterflies after that moment. No, but, but, but going into it with, with, with sort of no intentions, right? It wasn't that we were, she was going to apologize back. It wasn't, at least for me, it was. We're it not just, getting back together. We weren't like, mm-hmm. it just. I just had to say, you know, clean up my side of the street, right? And, and part of that was, uh, you know, uh, being taking accountable, ownership. taking yeah. ownership and being accountable. Now, if she had thrown the coffee in my face, that would have been okay too, right? For my process and my journey. And you would have been like, she still has some work to do. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe she can, you know, go see her therapist a couple more times. But but at that moment, like Nikki said, you know, so uh, eloquently, it was we could take a deep breath, right? It, it wasn't like the past was left in the past, but the past was acknowledged. Right. Right. The past was at least said, okay, what happened in our marriage, there's no villain. There's no bad guy. We both had our parts in it. Um, and, and I think that a lot of times in divorce, people make these decisions based off of past, what somebody perceived, what somebody did, or actually what somebody did. Um, and, and, and you can't move forward from that. You can't live in happiness if you're you know, making emotional decisions and business decisions based off of what happened in the past. So 
look, did we immediately leave everything in the past and all of a sudden Nikki, you know, didn't push my buttons anymore? No, that yeah, well, I still do. <laughs> she still does. But uh-huh. for the going forward now, living more in the now allowed the divorce business part of it to be a little bit easier. The, uh, you know, everything just became a little bit easier. And I always say that I had to figure out a way to find out. Like I didn't need to, I mean, I, I didn't need to be in love with him, but I needed to figure out why I loved him in the beginning. Like take mm-hmm. all the garbage out. And I, and so like, I had just had to get back to, okay, you know what? He might be an ass, but I did, you know, I do love this guy, you know, like, so regardless of where our relationship's going, there was a reason why I loved him. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, I think anybody who got married, you know, it's, we talk about narcissism just really quick is like, it's amazing how people marry Prince Charming and then divorce a narcissist, right? It's like, can that be, is, can somebody evolve into a narcissist or can somebody evolve into, you know, this person? But at the end of the day, most people, I think all people who get married, love each other or have fun with each other or have this, you know, companion. and then you, you throw on all the emotional stuff over the years and you throw on the not dealing with emotion or doing any of the work at the end. And then all of a sudden you hate them and you have this disdain. Like, so we were able to sort of come full circle with our relationship. Uh, and it took time. And Nikki said earlier, after that coffee shop, it didn't automatically click. And we were going on family vacations and mm-hmm. we just decided to put our son first. We cleaned up the wreckage of the past as best we could and then fake it until we made it right. Like put on our big boy pants and show up for our lives and show up for our son. And, and, you know, whether it was at the sporting event, school event, we would sit next to each other, even though we really didn't want to sit next to each other. You know, we would smile when, you know, we really didn't want to smile and we just tried to pretend like everything was okay. And then somewhere along the line, like I can't point to any one particular time, but it just became natural. Right. It just became authentic. Like it wasn't, fa- it wasn't forced. And our family thought we were crazy. Like we, we kind of sat, you know, when we figured out, okay, listen, we want to be friends. We want to be able to, you know, be around each other and not have our son feel like the stress of two parents not being together. Our families thought we were crazy. Like they really, if we would have listened to them, we uh, would never be where we are today. I mean, they finally got on board and kind of, but I mean, they were like, that's not how this works. Like, that's not what getting divorced, that's not how it looks. Yeah. If you had, you can get a real kick out of people's friends and family's reactions, you know, when we would, you know, sit, we'd have all the the whole row, you know, sort of blocked off and, and Nikki's parents would come and my friends would come and my family and everybody was sitting and And at that point for Nikki and I, it, you know, we were, although we might've been faking it at one particular time, but it was more natural for us to sit together. But for them, it was sort of the first sort of thing, you know, and, and, and they didn't necessarily, excuse me, necessarily always, you know, get it, but eventually they did, you know? Yeah. As like a sports analogy goes, I love them. Uh, not every teammate likes each other. Oh. And right. what I, what I hear you guys describing as like transitioning from, uh, each of your own stories and then coming to face reality for yourselves, holding up the mirror to yourselves and then kind of adopting this team mentality for Asher. Mm-hmm. Is that what yeah. I'm hearing? It, absolutely. And that's, you know, I think it, looking back on it is that we didn't, uh, you know, so many times like you, your daughter, uh, you had brought up and, you know, I thank you for that again. Cause that is just another reminder, you know, for us that, um, you know, the, the pain that we could have, you know, uh, caused, uh, but 
at the end of the day, we didn't want to hand our son the emotional bill uh, for our decisions. You know, he had no choice in any of our sort of uh, life experiences, meeting, dating, getting married, getting pregnant, you know, and any of that. And yet, uh, you know, sometimes, and it's not done premeditatively. And that's the other thing that, that I was able to, you know, at least be grateful about with my parents is they didn't decide to get divorced. And then the next conversation was how we're going to screw up our children's lives. Right. They just never did the work, the emotional work that's needed before they went in, you know, down the process. So, you know, we just didn't want to hand Asher the emotional bill at the end of the day and say, here, pay this. Right. You know, and, and so that was our guiding, you know, that was our guiding uh, North Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can never predict the future. And reflecting back on my divorce, and we, we sought out a counselor together because we both understood that there was something here that we're not looking at. And most likely, I can take ownership over a lot of that. And then leaving the therapist's office, I perceived that the work wasn't being done outside of the office. And that's what I took as an escape. You know, I'm like, all right, that's my avoidant tendencies showing up. That's my choice to say, that's my excuse to walk away and not or kind of like to take the easy road out for me, as opposed to standing up facing conflict. And because I created that own trauma in my own story, I chose not to get married again, over the course of the last 15 years. And because I don't want to get divorced again, that's yeah. for certain. Um, but are you both in new relationships? I, I know, Nikki, I believe you're re- remarried. Yes. We're both ben, are you also? Yeah, we're both remarried. Uh, and, and, you know, happily uh, married. And I think that's one of the other consequences. And again, consequences aren't negative, but this is a positive of doing the work, right? I think a lot of the times, like you said, I had this story about divorce too, obviously with my parents and then my divorce, I was like, the institutions failed, right? It's just never going to work. But but part of the reason of doing the work also, you know, was we were able to mend our relationship, but also we were able to bring a better, more evolved person to the next marriage. And, and there, there's, it's not by random occurrence that I think 50% of marriages end in divorce. I think it's like 69% of second marriages end in divorce because people don't do the work and they bring the same person, it's all the same right. garbage. you know, they just bring right. the same person to the second marriage. Uh, but you know, I, Nikki's married to a, a, a great guy, uh, uh, who we've become friends, very close friends with, um, uh, you know, Nikki and Nadia, my wife are, are thick as thieves, uh, sister wives, whatever you want to call it. And, and look, they are in our lives too, because they understand. And, and it was clear to them what Nikki and I were trying to accomplish, right? We put our son first, we set out on this journey, we made that decision to have him, we made that decision not to hand him the emotional bill. And we basically told our then boyfriend, girlfriend that, you know, this is what we're trying to do. If you can't be part of that, like it can't go any further. Like if you're not going to get on our team and try to figure this out with us, it's not going to work. Yeah. So they are, you know, uh, not only uh, their additions to our happy divorce, right. And not subtractions, what so many times happens. And, and, And there's certain things along the way, uh, you know, Nikki got married or started dating Chad who, 
you know, talk about this test to my new like spiritual, uh, you know, uh, force field awareness. Yeah. Awareness. awareness. <laughs> right. That, that, uh, uh, of, you know, this evolved man was, she started dating a couple of months after we got divorced, somebody, Chad, who we knew in our marriage, you know, while we were married, he was, he was a friend of the family and, you know, he, uh, and so they started dating after we, we got divorced and, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, Ben, you know, you want to be the spiritual giant walk over to this guy after a baseball game, uh, one of your son's baseball games and try to, you know, pretend like everything's okay. And I had to do that, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, but you know, what quickly, you know, happened and then Nikki called me, this was early and she knew that what I was going to do and what, you know, sort of, you know, sow my wild oats and, you know, be a, a you know, a pig, a middle-aged, you know, pig, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that, you know, no. uh, but, uh, she said to me, she said, can you do me a favor and not bring anybody around our son until you're serious? Now, that's fair. Mm -hmm. Now, exactly. But that's not the first reaction is ego, Ben's ego. And, and right. this is, I don't, didn't say it, but you know, the first thought was, who are you to tell me who I can and can't bring around my son? Now that could easily have come out of my mouth if I hadn't sort of done the work, right? Nikki's fault. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my wife. But then like you said, stop, think about it. And she was right. Mm, and and that's yeah. from a non, that's a, that's a very fair request mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that's what's best for our son to not have this revolving door of, you know, women and, and, and breakups and togetherness. And, and, you know, it, because what story does he have about marriage or about relationships of, of seeing his parents get divorced? So yep. she was right. So I, I started dating Nadia, my wife, and, and I didn't bring, I don't think they met each other for about a year. Um, and, and, and along the whole way, you know, Nikki, you know, even to the point of when I was going to introduce them, I'd, I'd let Nikki know that this was time, mm -hmm. this was going to happen. And, and so she, uh, you know, that she was aware of, of what happened. And so that's just part of the, uh, I think how a lot we, of baby steps, but how we very dealt, much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, and, and you know, <laughs> This I couldn't turn the light switch on one day and start going on family vacations together. No, it was a process. And it was, if we, if you had asked us what we had wanted from our divorce, I think after even the, you know, the, the, the amends at the coffee shop, we, you know, it would have just been to be able to be in the same room together. Right. And not have our son and everybody else go, Oh God, here comes the health funds. Like, or right, you right. know, this is going to be bad. Like this is going to be tension. But you know, we overshot that mark by, by a million miles. It could never have, you know, written a story like this, uh, or even imagine for that matter, a, a story like this. But, um, you know, one thing about, um, dating, you know, in, in this new, uh, post divorce sort of life is, um, you know, Nikki and, and Chad, it, it, there's, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, there, there's so many hurdles after divorce life sort of, you know, divorce doesn't happen when you get the or is not done when you get the judgment. Yeah. Right. Especially when you have kids, it doesn't end when your child turns 18 or work after that. Right. right. It's right. sort of a, you know, it's a lifetime thing that you're, you're going to be with this person, you know, uh, uh, forever. But I, I've been able to see Nikki, uh, you know, I met her when she was 22 years old, you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and she's now. not 32 now. Uh, she's a little bit older, but, uh, you know, but, but I'm also not 42. You're not also right. But, but the evolution, you know, of Nikki uh, as a woman and from when, you know, I married her to, God, I've known you a long time, a long time to, to the way I see her now. And, 
it's so funny because I, I look at the way that her and Chad interact and I was like, it still hits me today. Something like they'll hold hands. And I was like, she never looked at me like that. <laughs> like she never, like, this is what Nikki's like in love. You know, not love. I know what Nikki is like when she loves somebody, but this is actually what she's uh -huh. like in love. And yeah. it's, you know, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Although she never did it with me, but that's, you know, that's why we. <laughs> that's why you found Nadia. Right. And that's why, you know. And I, that's why you have two beautiful children. And, and the, the, but, but the, the thing about it, our second marriage is goes all the way back to the work we did before we got divorced. Right. Yeah. And for me anyways, that doesn't mean that like I, I did the work and all of a sudden I, you know, everything's perfect. That zebra still has its stripes. Yeah. Right. But at least the zebra can look back and, and see that he's got the stripes now. And uh -huh. acknowledge white out on him. Right. He's not an albino uh, zebra, which I would probably think that I was. Right. So at least the acknowledgement and the understanding of my character defects has helped me tremendously right. in, in my second marriage. Now, they're still there. Right. They still rear their ugly head. But character defects. Say, I might definitely rear their head sometimes. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and that's the thing is, <laughs> is at least having that awareness and not that blindness. And of, we're not of, perfect. What? Like you and certainly. I, like our, yeah, relationship, not. our yeah. relationship is not perfect. I mean, we still argue. We'll still fight. I mean, my best advice to people is don't argue over a text. Yeah. Because that's what right. that's like. The, right. the Most of our arguments happen because one of us reads a text differently than one actually set out for the text to read. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes. Yeah, but, but you know, it's funny because we look back on that now and, and texting, I mean, it's not like we're these ancient dinosaurs i think texting was around when we got divorced uh or or or, or yeah. went through that journey but it wasn't as prevalent but we sat down in person across from each other and 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 sat eye to eye like basically what, with paper right it wasn't done with email it wasn't to, done with to take notes <laughs> <laughs> right or recording a device mm -hmm. but but the but the idea that you know the face-to-face -face, i don't know i mean maybe we would have but if this were done over text messages or emails or through no. lawyers or family I don't think we would ever built what we built today because we actually sat right. down and saw the whites of, you know, the person's eyes, saw the inflection in the voice, you know, couldn't question the tone of the voice that sometimes you can do on, 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 on uh, email or, or text. But today our biggest arguments are done over text. And then once we get on the phone or see each other in person, like it changes, Yeah, you know, and text messages is a dangerous, uh, you know, a fuse. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah, you're you're bringing up a a really emotional time in my life because I'm coming up on 20 years of knowing my daughter's mom. My my daughter's a freshman in college now. She'll turn 19 this August. Um, I'll turn 41. And um, post divorce, my daughter's mom and I, we would gravitate to each other and then take separation, both distance physically and literally too. Of like okay, we're not trying to be friends at this period in our lives. And then she, she has her second marriage and it didn't go so well. And we were living really close to each other at the, at the time when Madison was maybe kindergarten, first grade, somewhere in there. And while it was not going well in the second marriage, um, I saw my daughter a lot. You know, I, I was there for whatever was necessary to support. And if, if all I was needed to do at that time was to take on more responsibility with my daughter, then heck yeah, I'm going to raise yeah. my hand for that. And I think that was a, that was a big turning point in our post-divorce relationship is 
acknowledging that the past is behind us and that we're both growing and moving forward and we can be there for each other in certain respects. I was not going to be like the emotional, uh, the emotional landing pad for my ex-wife, but I certainly could be there to uh, support in any way that I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And now having their third marriage, my daughter's mom's third marriage last about 10 years now. Okay. All right. Now we can really put things behind us and you have your stuff. I have my stuff. I haven't dated. Well, I've had a couple of long-term relationships in the last 15 years coming on this podcast today. I, I almost anticipated like sunshine and rainbows the whole time with, with our happy divorce is the name of your book, but it didn't sound like that is how it started out. And then you came together with this, with this one mission and one team kind of a mindset. Uh, tell me how that came about. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, again, the the setting out to the unknown is, is scary, right? I mean, it, you know, full of, of fear in the beginning of of not knowing where this thing was going to go. Uh, you know, we in the beginning, I, I think, had those moments like you talked about with your ex. You know, uh, of take you know being apart right. and then coming together and, and but and that's what it was it was, it was like this constant waves. it was these mm -hmm. little waves and and, mm -hmm. and then the waves got sort of slower or, or you know shorter and shorter and shorter um and then over time you know the fake it till you make it and then eventually we sort of came together now the thing about uh i think why we were able to write this book or at least have the idea to write this book is because of the steps we took in the beginning. And, and I think that is the most important thing where you talk about these roses and sunshines and rainbow <laughs> waterfalls yeah. and unicorns <laughs> of our life today. But it was because of the work we did in the beginning mm -hmm. and, and separated divorce at the end of the day. And this is going to, I always say this, but this is going to sound apathetic and it's meant to sound apathetic. Divorce is a business deal. At the end of the day, you're splitting property, you're splitting, uh, you know, you're making some life decisions based off of assets and, and so on and so forth. The problem is it's got the emotional side of it. And any bad business deal anybody has ever said that went wrong is because they got emotions involved in it, right. right? Whether it's selling your house and, you know, not taking an offer because it's, you know, eight grand less than what you want and walking away from the table because it's an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. What we did was we dealt with the emotional side first. And again, it didn't necessarily take all the emotion out of the business side of it, but it made it easier because we weren't making decisions off of uh, this is going to get her. This is a win. This is a loss. You know, you talk mm -hmm. about team, which is so brilliant because, yeah, Nikki had her lawyer. I had my lawyer, uh, but we were on each other's team. And yeah, it wasn't us versus them. We weren't fighting. She wasn't on the other team. Right. It wasn't a win loss situation. And we, and most importantly, we, like I said, we weren't making decisions based off of, Oh, if I get this cappuccino machine that she loves, mm. I'm going to really stick it to her. Meanwhile, I'm going to spend $800 on my lawyer fighting for, for three or four hours, right on a stupid cappuccino. Right. And that's the sort of insanity. And yeah, that's hyperbole. But at the end of the day, that's the kind of thing that, that, that happens. So, you know, the book, um, and made me write. No. Yes. I mean, I, no. the book was my, the book was actually my, well, it was I being fed a little us. less. I'm not so open. Right. Open. But, but right. the, the plant, the seed was planted by other people. Like, yes. you know, we would start uh, just posting, like we would be out a social media lives. Like I would take his kids. I would take 
you know, whatever. I would have Izzy and we'd go to the mall. Or you and or Nadia would or go Nadia get your and I nails would go done. Someplace and people would be like, I don't understand this. How'd you guys do this? You really need to write a book. And we're like, write a book. Who knows how to write a book? Yeah. One year, like, you know, seven years ago, we decided we were sending so we're out like, Christmas okay, cards. We can figure this out. We were sending out Christmas cards with our son. You know, they were going to save people. So we're like, you know, let's just do one together. So, you know, and, and so people are like, what's going on? You know, then we started getting, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, people started getting divorced, friends of ours, and we get phone calls and ask for advice. And uh, uh, to go back to my sort of 12-step uh, foundation is, is that's how it works. It's just people's human experience. They're, they're not doctors, lawyers, therapists in, in those rooms, except for people who have been to hell and understand what it's like been to hell and want to share how they got out of hell. And so... I said, Nikki, you know, we should just write our story and write our book and hopefully that it'll help somebody again, not from a lawyer standpoint, not from a therapist or coach or whatever you want to call it, but just from a human experience, you know, and, and maybe that'll be bring people some hope that it can be different. And so that's, you know, th that was the journey uh, of why we wrote the book. Now I did, again, like I said, I, we, we had to convince Nikki for a little bit. But I'm happy I did it. Because I would never have done this. Uh, uh, even if she had said no, we, it would never have happened because just like it took two to ruin our relationship, it took to, it take it took and takes two of us to make what we have today. Right, recreating a brand new story for right. you both. So yeah, so Nikki, I want to hear a little bit more from you. What what's coming up for you, and what part of your story do you feel is valuable to share? For me, I mean, I think that I had to go through just the emotional part of another woman taking care of my child. And I think mm -hmm. for, I think women probably can relate. Moms can relate to that because that was probably the hardest thing I had to get over as, you know, somebody else like putting him to bed and someone else getting to say goodnight to him, someone give, getting to give him a kiss before he went to bed. So having to deal with that on my own was probably the hardest thing I had to deal with. But I mean, in all honesty, I, as long as she loved him, I kept telling myself that as long as, okay, she's a great person. She, you know, she loves him. She'll, you know, she'll grow to love him even more, but I just had to just keep telling myself she's good. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. The thought bubbles would have been oh, great yeah. if we could just create thought bubbles. <laughs> oh, like in the All beginning. my thought bubbles would have been, you know, it, uh, <laughs> he's good. She's good. He's fine. You're good. It's You're good. happy. Like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like this is okay. It's okay for him to love. It's okay for him to have another woman in his life and you know and I got to the point where I was happy there was a woman because it wasn't just two dudes you know it was nice to know that there was a woman there so much so that uh I was the one that made you die I told him to get out he was being stupid I can say that now he was being stupid they were gonna break up they were gonna do this and I looked at him one day and I said listen you're gonna end up alone by yourself she's a good girl she loves you get off your butt and do something about it and he was like eh. yeah well yeah, you're probably at, right. at that point when your ex-wife tells you to you know marry like go marry this girl she loves you and has enough you know courage or not courage but has enough uh security with the relationship to call me out on my bs which she does and she continues to do that to this very day but you know, she was the one who said, and hearing it from her uh, made me take it in more than probably anybody else in my life. That here's my ex-wife saying, you're not going to get any better than this, right? I don't know what you're looking for. 
you know, the only thing better you're going to get is going to be worse because you're going to be alone. Yeah. You're going to be 70 years alone. old and you're going to be alone. Marry this woman. What do you wow. do then? You marry. Yeah, reality check for sure. And and you're receiving influence from from your former partner in, I, I hear a lot of loving ways of like, Ben, I've heard you talk about love being the focus of like when Nikki is in love with Chad and then Nikki on your side, I hear a lot of like, well, as long as she loves him, as long as Nadia loves him, I can accept her putting him to bed half of the week or every other week. Yeah. Does that resonate? It does. It totally does. And, you know, I think that, you know, I, I realized, you know, of course, when I first met her, I wanted to find everything that was wrong with this woman. Like everything from her long so nails true. to her. I just, I, I wanted to find something wrong with this woman. And I was like, you know what? She's okay. Like she's okay. And I think that's when I started going, oh my. And then, I, then it was one day I was like, I can actually be friends with this girl. Yeah. And, and I think that's how it all started. And I think she felt the same way about me. Like she probably wanted to say, like, she thought I was going to be this wicked witch and like this ex-wife that was going to be nothing but trouble. And it was like, Okay. Now I'm sort of like her sounding board with him. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that, we, that, that's a negative consequences of yeah. our happy divorce is when your All ex-wife right. and your wife are friends, uh, best friends, and you know that they sit around. You know, when when, when they're when I walk downstairs and Nikki's there having coffee with my with my wife, you know, probably about sixty five percent of the time they're talking about the hell it's like to be married to to me. So they have that you right. know they have the power of relatedness. But you know, the the whole the ego thing is such a big. Yeah. Uh, deal and and can set could have set our and does uh, if anything when we get in fights or when we have problems it comes back to ego it comes back to look mm -hmm. it's still not a, Asher and Chad went uh, fishing um, I, I don't know I don't remember how long ago but it was just the two of them the when they told me like the first reaction and this is after we've written a book after we live seven and and as great as the unicorn land is. My first reaction was like a gut punch. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like yeah. it's still yeah. a blow to the ego. To, 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 as great as Chad is, as happy as I am, I call him dad number two. Like it, it's still a blow. It's still a gut punch to hear that your son's going fishing I don't know with him. That will ever change. I think that's always hard for people. It's just the way someone deals with it. Yeah. Like, Agreed. you know, I don't throw up, but you know, well, it's my weekend. You've had him, you know, and, and try to fight, you know, for why they can't go. But I, you know, that's great. What a great time. You know, you, you'll have a great, you know, time. So it, it, it's about not reacting off of ego for me. Cause when I do, and, and I, I can't say that I never don't, or, or we don't, no. but, but when you sort of we do. Uh, post mortem <laughs> autopsy our fights today, it's because one of us acted. If we're not talking for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. we're on it. It's, it, it's that one of us acted or reacted off of our hurt ego. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. Advice number one is to seek out a therapist before a lawyer. What what else would you want us to walk away with from today's check conversation? Your ego or at the door. check your ego at the door. Yeah, and, and and you know, I think if you do the work, uh, th there's no at least that I don't. Uh, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know of any state that gives an award uh, for getting divorced the quickest. Um, take your time, right? right. The, the, okay. the, 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 your time. Take your time deal with the emotional side and, and understand that it is a business decision, and, but it's the big, biggest business decision. Most people last their whole life. And if you don't handle it right, it's going to be a business decision. That's going to cost you emotionally and financially the rest of your life. 
Get that right. mirror out. I agree. Yeah. Get out mm-hmm. that mirror. Yeah. And, and, and do the work and, and look at, deal with the emotional side and, and, and no matter what the other person's doing or not doing, you know, I think the, the reason we also want to write this book is if you get to know Nikki and I, um, we're not easy individuals, right? We are two class <laughs> A alphas. Um, and, and, and if we can do this, you know, we're convinced and, and wholeheartedly, and even if you're listening to this and you don't believe, we believe. So just believe that, that it, it can work for anybody. And we're kind of married to alpha. Mm-hmm. They're a little alpha-ish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. It, uh, a little bit. Yeah. But, but, you know, the, and, you know, I think the other thing is uh, uh, that, that when you are, you know, you, you're accountable. Uh, but, but, but the most important thing, I think, in the beginning, don't call the lawyer. It, 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 you know, it, don't, because in those waters, uh, uh, and this is my fault because I called them, um, but in those, the waters of desperation and hopelessness, um, where people are when they leave a marriage, I think are, are, are the waters where cults uh, recruit there and divorce lawyers swim. And, and people, right? Oh because when you are desperate and hopeless, yeah. you're susceptible to hearing something that will, you know, make you f- at least f- make you feel better or like. Yeah, you just want something to make you feel better. And, and, and sometimes that is not, uh, you get, there are good lawyers out there. I'm not, I'm not casting this, you know, big cast net against bad lawyers, but you get involved with the wrong lawyer who's going to tell you everything you want to hear and you're, everything you're going to get, run. And remember, because that's not a positive, you're not going to get everything. You're not, you know, lawyers don't mm-hmm. love your children. Yeah. Lawyers mm, that's do a not very love your point. children. Yeah. And neither does the judge and neither does anybody else involved in the situation will love your kids like you or the other one love your kid or your child. And so, yeah, call a therapist, you know, and then go from there. <laughs> very well said. Ben and Nikki, I want to say thank you. Nikki, that was a really good point right there at the end of like, those lawyers don't love your kids. No, you're the only one that loves your, you, you got, you two are the only two that love your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you a ton. I really thank appreciated you. the conversation today. And if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, just send out a bat signal for everything at our happy divorce. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, our happy divorce on everything social, our happy divorce.com. Uh, again, we're not lawyers, doctors. We're not selling anything. We have a book. Uh, if you're interested in the book, you can go to Amazon. You can go to uh, mascotbooks.com. We do do a, a two for one uh, on mascot uh, on our publisher, mascotbooks.com, because we really feel that it takes two to make it, two takes two to ruin it. So if you and your ex or divorcing partner could could read it, maybe you guys could both get on the same page. But if not, reach out to us on social media. We'll send you a book. We got plenty of them. Sounds great. Thank All right. you. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Dave. Really appreciate it.